Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. Listen to your father who gave you life. That is Proverbs 23, 22. We'll get more into that here in just a second. But guys, I just want to remind you, if you have not already done this, wherever you're listening to this, so this could be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, please leave us a five-star review and leave us a few words and let us know why exactly you like what we're doing because the algorithms love when we get new listeners and we've gotten a lot of new listeners over the last couple of months. But when you leave those five stars and then you tell them why you like it, that even shoots it even further up the chart. So we really, really appreciate it if you guys can do that. Also, just to let you know, I know sometimes you hear ads on this show and it's not your favorite thing and oh poor you you know you get paid to do your job what about me getting paid to do my job but guys the ads don't actually pay the bills around here it's the donations we've made this content so that guys like you can support what we're doing so if you do support our content if you want to see us make even more content if you want to see us expand into a bunch of different areas which the stuff we've got coming for next year is going to be absolutely insane please hop on board and be a donor so go to undaunted.life backslash donate so that is in the show notes but undaunted.life backslash donate hop on be a monthly donor support us and then also just want to remind you guys that we are affiliated with Origin and Jocko Fuel. So guys, on the Origin side, if you're doing jiu-jitsu or thinking about getting into jiu-jitsu, they have the best geese on planet Earth, and it is the only gi on planet Earth that is 100% made in America, so you can check them out there. But they've also got boots. they got steel toe boots. They've got jeans. They've got all kinds of stuff on the Origin side, and then on the Jocko Fuel side, they've got Mulk, so that's his protein powder. They've got a bunch of other different supplements, so vitamin D, and they've got greens, and they've got sleeping aids, and they've got all kinds of other great stuff on the Jocko Fuel side, his energy drinks, Jocko Go. Guys, you can go and check out all that stuff if you go to originmain.com or originusa.com both of those will be in the show notes and use my promo code just my name kyle at checkout you will get 10 percent off your order so go to origin and get all your stuff and make sure you use the promo code kyle k-y-l-e to get 10 percent off so this week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to be doing quick hitters or anything like that. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the news cycle. And, you know, we kind of already did that because we had all those interviews in a row. And then I came back and did a, an episode with a bunch of different things that we talked about. But I'm assuming starting next week, I mean, we're going to be talking about the fallout from the midterm elections, maybe through the end of the year. Who the heck knows? There's so many things that are going on right now. So I just want to kind of pull ourselves out of the news cycle because we're going to be getting a mouthful of it for the next several months. This entire episode that I'm doing today is dedicated to my father, David Glenn Thompson. So so some of you that know me, you know my middle name is David. Well, in our family, you get your father's name as your middle name. You know, the first son will get that. So James, our firstborn, is James Kyle Thompson. I'm Kyle David Thompson. My dad was David Glenn Thompson, so on and so forth. But I wanted to do an episode like this today because... I thought about just dedicating an episode to him and that can kind of seem trite whenever you just dedicate an episode to somebody and then you talk about something that's, you know, completely not related to that situation. Obviously, we've done that here recently. We've done that before. Right. But the reason why this was so important, I think the timing is appropriate is because my father just this month is retiring from 43 years of working at the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company in Lawton, Oklahoma, 43 years working at the same place doing really, really tough work in order to support his family and support himself and those types of things. And so I just wanted to ha- give an ode to my father, as it were. 
And so in terms of today, I'm not really sure how long this episode's going to go. It may be a short one, maybe a little bit longer. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. And I'm, I'm not even exactly sure what I'm going to say in total. I mean, I kind of wanted it to be that way. I have kind of a rough scaffolding, a skeleton of an outline that, that I have put together, but I'm not exactly sure. But I'm going to start the episode today with why this is so important, this particular episode, okay? But not just to me. Because that's not really entertainment. Like, hey, here, let me hear me talk for 30 minutes or 45 minutes to something that's important to me. If it's not important to you, you're probably going to tune out. But it's not just important to me. It's important to you as well. And I'll get into that here in a second. But I will describe why I think that this episode's important to me specifically. So while doing it imperfectly, I take Exodus 2012 literally and seriously. Okay, so all of you have heard this by now, but it's honor your mother and your or your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, so I take that literally and seriously. Also, the scripture I said from the very top, Proverbs 23, 22, I take that literally and I take that seriously. Listen to your father who gave you life. Okay, so that doesn't mean that you should uh, do that blindly. That doesn't mean, you know, in the honor, we don't really understand what that word means in terms of that back there. That doesn't mean that you necessarily like your parents. It doesn't mean you necessarily do everything for them. You spend every waking moment with them, but it does mean that you honor them. So this is something that I'm doing today to honor my father. Because my father hasn't had a lot of things happen to him in his life where he had the opportunity to be honored. Because when you do stuff in the public eye, or maybe you're a professional athlete, or maybe you're a CEO or something like that, you're going to have these opportunities for adulation, and people are just going to drown you. These sycophantic people are just going to drown you in praise and all these different things. But a lot of people, the overwhelming majority of people on the planet are not going to have opportunities like that. So I want to do that for my dad today. But why this is going to be important for you, the listener or watcher of this podcast, the first thing is it's a reminder for you to honor your fathers. So to a degree, it's like, hey, you know, People have said before, follow me as I follow Christ. This is one of those opportunities where say, follow me while I honor my father. And I want that to inspire you and remind you that you should be doing that as well. And then in addition to that, I want it to be a reminder for you to look at your father in all of his flaws, warts and all, and find grace in how you approach him. Give him the benefit of the doubt when perhaps you don't think he deserves it. Uh, try to understand his shortcomings or any of those things or on the positive side, just recognizing all the amazing things that you have gotten from your father, starting with life in general, and then everything else that you learned. And I guess the last thing I would say on the terms of this being important to you, it's a reminder that forgiveness is possible. Because for a lot of people, their fathers are the center point of everything that's bad in their world. I've not experienced that personally, but for a lot of people, that's the case. And that's either because the dad was awful, the dad was abusive, uh, the dad was manipulative, the dad wasn't there, the dad was dead, any number of reasons. And the wounding that comes from a father is deeper than just about any wound you could possibly get. And we'll get more into that for here in a second. So hopefully that's enough to kind of keep you engaged in today's episode, because I think this is very, very important. But I want to start out in terms of the, the honoring, and then we'll get into some other things about, about fatherhood in general. But in terms of me honoring my father, as I was preparing for this episode, I was trying to think of what are the, what are the best things about my dad? And so this isn't going to be an, an exhaustive long list. I'm not going to list hundreds and hundreds of things. I'm going to really key in on a few things here that I think are very, very important. And I think for a lot of you guys, you're going to think about this yourself in terms of you as a father. You're going to think about this in terms of the father that you've had in your life. So hopefully you can kind of get some of that carryover and crossover here. So the first thing I would say is that my father, 
David Thompson. He is my number one biggest, most outspoken fan on earth. Literally. And I don't just mean of Undaunted Life or this show. I mean of everything I've ever done. He is the number one biggest, most outspoken fan. I've never had to wonder if my dad was proud of me or if he thought what I was doing was a good idea or any of those types of things. So whether I was playing sports, you know, I remember, I I think I've told this, this on my podcast before when I was in junior high, I think it was my ninth grade team. So my freshman year, uh, you know, this in the town we grew up in ninth grade was middle school still. So you you weren't in high school yet. And our uh, freshman baseball team was ridiculous. We were so good. It's just a crazy talented team. I think I'm pretty sure we went undefeated that year. And I remember because I led the team in home runs, but there was one particular home run. I remember my dad, he was parked in right center field beyond the fence, not on the field, that'd be ridiculous, but beyond the fence because it's one of those where you could kind of pull up to to the fencing and pull up to the to the ball field or whatever. And he's actually sitting on the hood of his truck. So he had an old four by four dually Chevy, or not not a dually, it was a step size Chevy, uh, short bed. And he's just sitting up on the hood of the truck, just watching baseball, probably eating corn nuts or sunflower seeds or something like that. And I hit a home run and I remember coming around first base. And I don't remember if I've like waved at him or, or even made a, I don't even know what, what I was doing, but I do remember looking to right center field at my dad and he is losing his ever loving mind after I hit this dinger. Like I thought he was going to fall off the truck and hurt himself. You know, it was just one of those things. He was so jacked, but that was the thing is my dad was at everything. He was at every practice. He was at every game. He did. He moved heaven and earth to make sure that he could be there to support me in all the sports that I played growing up. And he, with Undaunted, he listens to every single episode. He'll call me and tell me, hey, that was a great episode, you know, great job, or shoot me a quick text or something like that. And and my dad and I will kind of banter back and forth, but it's all in love. But again, he's my number one biggest fan. Like he's he's the guy that I can go to and just know like, man, he's proud of me. Like not, it's not like a, like an idol type thing, but he just like, he's so proud of the, the decisions that I've made in my life. And the thing is like, I almost feel sheepish because it's like, I'm not nearly as good of a guy as you think I am, dad, but he just, he's so proud of me as his son. And I've never had to question that. So that's probably the number one uh, biggest thing, uh, gift, I guess you could say, or best thing about my father. The next thing is I've been able to witness my father's resilience throughout his life. Now, this obviously happened before I was born, but when he was a young man, his father was taken from him because he was killed by a drunk driver. Okay. And so he was killed by a drunk driver and he was supposed to be in the car that night with his father. My understanding is at the last moment, my, my grandmother, his mother pulled him out of the car cause he needed to go get some slacks or, or something for like an upcoming recital at the church or something like that. So here he is about to go on a trip with his dad. You know, one of his favorite things to do, he gets pulled out of the car. Fine, mom, I'll go with you. And you know, not long after that, his father was killed. Right? So when that happens to you, I think he was 13 years old when that happened. So I think we're literally coming up on, I think of like the 50 year anniversary of that, of that all happening. I mean, just crazy. That's such a tough situation to be in for anybody that loses their father in that way, much less someone that's 13 years old. You're, you're learning how to become a man at that time period. You're really starting to kind of come into your own just a little bit. And you need a father more than you need just about anything. You need a father like you need water and food and air and all those things. And he lost his dad. So he had to be resilient because he could have just went off half cocked and, you know, just been pissed off at the world, ended up in prison and did those different things. That's not really what he did. You know what I mean? 
but then also I, I mentioned 43 years. Uh, so for some of you, you hear Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, you're thinking, oh, corporate. So he's been wearing a suit and tie and, you know, been, you know, taking care of things. No, he was working in the factory, working his tail off. I think when he started at Goodyear, I think he may have been throwing tires or something like that. What a lot of guys do, absolute backbreaking work. And if you're a puss, if you're not tough, you will not make it. And I don't just mean physically. You have to be mentally tough to get through that, right? But that's what he did. He did it for 43 years. And for the majority of that time period, it was because he was taking care of a knucklehead like me. And, you know, at the time when, when he was married to my mother and like taking care of my mom and taking care of my sister and taking care of me, like, that's why he did that. His job paid the bills for us. I mean, we weren't just like rolling in dough as a kid. Like I've said many times on this podcast, I had everything I needed and a lot of the things I wanted, right? And we, we didn't feel like, oh, you know, nervous about where the next meal was going to come from. Why? Because my dad busted his butt at a factory. That's why. And again, you can't do that type of work. I mentioned origin from the top of the show. They're bringing manufacturing back to the United States of America because everybody, all these college educated people, you get lost in, you know, the corner office job and, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and start this new company. And I'm going to do this thing. And I'm going to do that thing, that thing. And that's all fine. That's all great. We need that in our economy. But it's the people that are actually doing the manufacturing. That's what makes America run. Like that's how we're able to do these things in the industry because of guys like my father. And so that's why, you know, uh, origin helped me do a little something special that I won't talk about right now for my dad, but it's just a, a very unique thing to run into guys like that, that are li literally building and maintaining America to a degree. Okay. So him being able to do that job and to do a job that frankly, he hated, he clearly hated all this time, but he did it because it's what was required of him. And we live in an era right now, guys, this is kind of a, a tangent, but I'll get right back on the road here before too long. But we live in this era where it's like, if it doesn't make you happy, you're not supposed to do it. Oh, you know what? If, if you're not feeling this job, you just go get you another one, right? You go slay somewhere else. Like that's the crap that you hear on Instagram from these moron influencers that haven't built a damn thing that don't do anything right. All they do is read self-help books and then chew it up and then bleh, out on the internet. And then you're supposed to take that in and change your entire life based on this super unimpressive person that happens to look really good on camera. That's what you're supposed to do. There's no one talking about the fact, you know what, sometimes you should probably just endure. You know, you maybe don't like your job. Maybe it's not fulfilling. Maybe it's not checking all your boxes. Maybe it's not the best thing for you, you unbelievable narcissist, but it's the best thing for somebody else that you're going to sacrifice by doing that thing, this soul crushing work for a lot of these guys because of what it allows you to do. Because what it allows you to do is to fill your to fulfill your biblical mandate to care for your family. What it allows you to do is to not be a sluggard that's just going to sit around waiting on your government check to come in, but you're going to go out there and get after it, and you're going to bust your butt because that's what God would want you to do. My dad's not, not a very spiritual man by any stretch of the imagination, but even in an accidental way, he's fulfilling that mandate by doing the work that he did for 43 years. So, his resilience is something that I really like. And this last one, this, this might seem a bit odd, so I want to make sure that I frame it correctly. So, so just follow me on this. My dad has shown me many examples throughout his life of how I don't want to be. And if we're being honest, because again, I know that sounds odd, because here I am just, you know, heaping praise on my father and he deserves it. But when you have someone in your life that's so close to you, they're a father, they're a father that's in your life, they're active in your life regardless of who they are, invariably, 
And 100% of the time, they will show you things. They will act in a way. They will think in a way that you don't want to and shouldn't. Why? Because they are imperfect people. And so when you spend years, because I'm 36 years old, I have 36 years worth of data of my dad doing, thinking, and saying things. And I'm like, ooh, I don't want that to be me. I don't want to do, think, or say that. And so that's a valuable tool. That's also a valuable tool that James and Squish, my boys, will be able to see. They're going to have decades, hopefully, Lord willing, they're going to have decades and decades of data on stupid things that dad thought, said, believed, any number of things. And I hope they learn from, from some of my ignorances, some of my stupidities, some of my mistakes, because that's a great thing. If they can watch me make the mistake, then they can avoid it. Okay. So I'm not going to get into any specifics because obviously that that's my family. That's none of your business. But like, <laughs> there are so many people out there that they have to deal with their dad being an alcoholic. They have to deal with their dad being a drug addict, a, a dad that's physically, sexually, and, and mentally abusive. And I haven't had to deal with any of that at all. Right now, by virtue of my dad's job, he wasn't always the most chipper person in the world because he was either just coming home from a job that he hated or being a few hours away from having to go back to the job that he hated. Right. So to a degree, maybe that's not healthy. Maybe you could psychoanalyze. But again, all those other things that a lot of my friends had to deal with, I didn't. Friends that came to school with another bruise on their face and they weren't allowed to talk about why and all these different things. I didn't have to deal with any of that. I got lucky. But you still learn things about people that you're able to take and apply inside of your own life. And so that's something I'm so unbelievably thankful for because I'm going to be able to show my boys something that I learned because I was able, what do people say? The wisdom is, is like, you know, you get to stand on the shoulders of giants because here's the thing. Like, let's say you were going to go to seminary or something like that. Like there are things that people figured out 1900 years ago that you're not going to have to reckon with, right? All you have to do is read for the weekend and you've caught up on the life's work of something that people spent decades trying to figure out or dots they were trying to connect. But now you just, oh, you get caught up super quick and then you can build off of what they've done. The same thing happens with a son and a father. You can look at their life, you can look at the decisions they've made, and you can do some of the things that you like and take in some of that and avoid some of the things that you don't and build from there. And that's what I'm excited for my boys to get to experience as well. They're going to look at the things that I've done, the things that I've been able to build in, in the, the life that I've led, and they're going to be able to build a better life on top of that. That that's, should be the model in a lot of ways. So again, he's my number one fan. He's super resilient, and he's shown me some things that I, I can avoid, which I'm very, very thankful for. But as I was thinking through this episode as well, I was thinking through wisdom from, I mean, the GOAT, John Eldridge. So again, I've, I've talked about it on the show before. He's been on the show, I think, four times. Personal mentor of mine. There were several quotes from Wild at Heart. Again, the, the book that that is the seminal men's ministry book uh, in history, sold over a million copies. One of the most important books. Certainly, it's on our book list on our website, undaunted.life backslash book list. But there were three quotes that I wanted to kind of go into and break down, and then we'll, we'll start winding to a close today. So the first quote was this. Many men are ashamed of their fathers. You're just like your father is an arrow many bitter mothers fire at their sons. Most of the men I know are trying hard not to become like their fathers. But who does that leave them to follow after? From whom will they derive their sense of strength? So without getting into the details, that was an arrow that my bitter mother would fling at me. Anytime I was doing something she didn't like, it's you're just like your father. And there's a whole lot of stuff to unravel there. And that's none of your business. But the thing that's very, very important about that is when a family member or when society 
or when someone is trying to brandish a father as being bad, toxic, or maybe even worse than those two, useless, then what you've done is you've left an entire underclass of citizenry, children, to not have anyone to derive their strength from. And this is something that, that people that don't have kids understand. And I, again, I say that like I've been a father for decades. I've been a father for two and a half years. But this is something that people don't quite understand. And this is something that women don't really understand either. Boys don't get strength from their mothers. If you look at it in total, they don't. And that's no offense to any of the mothers listening to this. We're so thankful for you. They derive their strength from their fathers. That's where they get their sense of strength. That's where if they have a healthy and involved father, they get to understand what true strength looks like. And when it's wielded by a meeked father, again, I've talked about on the show a million times about, you know, people look at meekness as weakness. No, it's about having a tremendous amount of power and prowess, but having it under control, under voluntary control. And so that's the thing that I think is very, very important because a lot of you have suffered the same thing that I have. You don't have a a father wound. Right. And we will get to that here in a second, because obviously the woundedness and the father wound from wild at heart is one of the most important things that's maybe ever been written for, for modern Christendom. I have a mother wound and kind of how it, how it, you know, coalesces into how you're supposed to view your father and the lens through which you're supposed to see it. But I know a lot of people listening to this, you look at your father in such an unbelievably negative light. And part of it is because you resent him for either not being there or you resent him for something that he's not because somebody else framed him improperly for you. So I'm trying not to get too far out in the ether, but again, that's so important for fathers to be involved because you are giving your sons a sense of strength. You're giving them an anchor point. So another quote, this is a short one from Wild at Heart. It's this, to most men, God is either distant or he is weak. The very thing they'd report of their earthly fathers. So some of you, if you were to look upon your father, you would look at him with scorn because he was a weak man or a distant man. Maybe he was way too involved in his golf outings or in his work. So he was gone constantly, or you saw so many opportunities for him to stand up for those that were weaker than him and he didn't do it. And then that's the way you view your heavenly father. Because you look at your earthly father and then you look at all this, you know, Christianese and you read the Bible and you do all these different things. And you're just like, yeah, you know, the heavenly father doesn't really seem that cool. It doesn't really seem like somebody I'd want to follow. I certainly don't want to model after them. What you don't understand is it's because of your resentment for your earthly father is why you think that way. You're like, why would I want this cosmic daddy when my earthly daddy sucks so bad? And guys, like I told you, like to a degree, I get it. Now, from my experience, I didn't have that abusiveness, that unbelievably negative upbringing with my father and my dad was there. People talk about white privilege. Like, look, I had daddy privilege. I had a dad in my life, right? Even after my parents got divorced, I could go see my dad whenever I wanted. And he didn't live far away, right? So I had the privilege of having that. And so it, it felt intact, even though it wasn't to a lot of degree. But when you view your earthly father as distant or weak, it makes sense that you would apply that to a cosmic dad that you can't see. And this, is, this gets a little psychological, so I won't go too far into this. But if you have a father that's gone, So if he doesn't live with you or he abandoned the family or he died or something like that, he's a dad in theory. And for a lot of people, God, the father is a theoretical thing because you can't see him, right? You can't see him like you could see, you know, a mouse or a keyboard or, you know, uh, some, you know, hex wrenches or a water bottle. Like you can't, you can't see him. You can't feel him. You can't use him, right? You can't hug him. You can't be hugged by him. You can't be protected by him in the the physical sense in the way that we see it on this planet. 
And so when it's out there in the ethereal, you, you're stuck with trying to theorize about what this earthly father could possibly do for you. Again, as you're trying to reckon with the fact that you were abandoned by your earthly father. You're abandoned by him somehow, either physically or emotional, emotionally or, or, or in a, a myriad of different ways. And so that's another important thing for us to think about as fathers is when we disengage or when we show cowardice or weakness, we are basically giving a script to our kid of like, this is what you just should expect from your perfect father as well. Again, it doesn't make sense. Some of you guys can break down the theology at that point and maybe not get to the same conclusion, but that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. The last quote from Wild at Heart that I want to get into, I think this is very, very important. This is where it goes into wounding, so I'll read it here. In order to understand how a man receives a wound, you must understand the central truth of a boy's journey to manhood. Masculinity is bestowed. A boy learns who he is and what he's got from a man or the company of men. He cannot learn it any other place. He cannot learn it from other boys, and he cannot learn it from the world of women. The plan from the beginning of time was that his father would lay the foundation for a young boy's heart and pass on to him that essential knowledge and confidence in his strength. Dad would be the first man in his life and forever the most important man. Above all, he would answer the question for his son and give his name. Give him his name. So the the question there, I'll read that last line again. Above all, he would answer the question for his son and give him his name. So the question that John Eldridge, you know, posits in Wild at Heart is, do I have enough? That is the ultimate question for a son to the father. Do I have enough? Am I enough? Do, am I the apple of your R, of your eye, rather? Uh, do you delight in me? The, those are all wrapped up in the question. And only the father can give them the answer to that. Only the father. Because again, you know, I, you feel a little bit of weight when you get your father's name. Some of you guys are juniors or, or thirds or fourths or whatever. You know, my son's going to feel the weight of my name because it's, it's his middle name. And I feel the weight of David because it's my middle name and, and those types of things. And all that's very, very important. But it's overall about initiation into manhood. Because again, and I've talked about this before, in our modern society, you, in, you self-initiate into manhood. Okay? It's not bestowed upon you. You get to decide. Is it the first time you have sex? Is it the first time you score a touchdown in high school? Is it, is it the first time you, you make it, you know, or you make it through boot camp or, you know, you get your first job after college? Like you get to decide when you become a man. But the right ordering of it is that manhood is bestowed upon you. That's why I'm so obsessed about rites of passage for young boys specifically. Yes, you know, it's important for girls as well, but specifically with young boys, right? Because if they don't know what's expected of them, they're going to make their own stuff up. And especially if you're a dumb little kid, which you basically are until you're 25 and your brain's fully developed, then you're a slightly smarter, dumb little kid. You're just going to make up stuff that sounds good to you. And that's the thing about manhood and masculinity being bestowed upon you. It's not always the stuff that you like. It's not always the stuff that you want to do. Think about my dad again, 43 years at a factory. I'm sure he would have enjoyed doing other things more, but that wasn't the point. So the point for you is when you have your sons, it's telling them. And showing them, hey, here are the things about your wiring that are money, that are so good. They're going to help you in your business. They're going to help you in your marriage later in life. They're going to help you in the church. They're going to help you in so many different ways. But also, son, here are some of your downfalls. Here are some of the things that, that you're going to have to reckon with. Here are some of those rough edges that we're going to have to smooth out over time. And don't worry, I'll be there with you, you know, every step of the way to do that. But at some point, I got to cut you loose and you got to figure it out on your own. 
but also here are the expectations we have on you now. And by we, I mean your mother and I, this household, this greater community, our church, the United States of America, you know, whatever the situation is, this is what we expect of you, son. And we are going to do everything we can to equip you to perform in those ways. That's how you pass on essential knowledge. That's how you pass on confidence in his strength. That's how you pass on the answers to the question, do I have what it takes? Am I enough? Am I the apple of your eye? Do you delight in me? That's how you pass all that on. Okay? So let's go ahead and bring this to kind of a call to action, and then we'll call it a day. So in terms of calls to action for anybody still listening to this, the first thing, you knew this was coming, is honor your father. Honor your father. Now, if your father is still living, you need to reach out to him to honor him. Maybe that's in person. It probably should be in person if that's possible. Perhaps it's over the phone or FaceTime or Zoom or something like that. But I know for some of you, uh, you get tongue-tied whenever you're with someone in person. Maybe you're intimidated by your father. Like, I think every boy is still intimidated by his father. To a degree, I'm still intimidated by my father. So maybe you have to write it out. Maybe you write it out and then read, to, read it to him in person. Or, or you send him a letter or send him an email. Like, whatever y'all's thing is. Maybe it's a handwritten letter. Maybe it's fancy. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe you use a quill pen as you write it. I don't really care. But honor your father, but tell him. Tell him. Don't just honor him without letting him know. So this is part of my process of honoring my father, but most of you don't have a you know podcast or whatever, so you're gonna have to do it a little bit differently. But that's the call to action today is to spend time figuring out how you can best honor your father and then go and do that. The second thing that I want to talk about is to pause to evaluate yourself as a father. Now, this is a rough one. So, and I will you know, throw myself before the court here. So I've been very surprised at how much fatherhood, how difficult it's been for me, not fatherhood in general. Cause yes, it's hard, you know, the sleepless nights and you know, the poopy diapers and you know, the, the accidents on the floor, like, yeah, like all that stuff. Yeah, we all get it. But I thought I'd be better at being patient. I thought I'd be better at helping. I thought I'd be better at directing. And I've already seen some things that I've done just in the first two and a half years of James's life in the first, you know, seven or so months of Squish's life that I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pay for that one for a long time. Like, oh, my boys saw that. My boys heard that. Uh, my, my boys picked up on that. You know, that I scared them with my reaction to this. Like all those things that I'm like, oh no, like I've got so many more years of this. Like how much worse could it possibly get? So I'm a very pessimistic person. I'm a very judgmental person. And I'm no more harsh in my judgment of anybody on the planet than I am of myself. But regardless of who you are and your self-talk and all that, you know, worldly girly stuff, you should spend a lot of time evaluating who you are as a father. Because I know the majority of you guys listening to this are fathers. Because I want you to be able to ask yourself some very tough questions, which is, am I a father that is easy to honor? Whoa, that's a rough one, right? Because here we have this biblical mandate to honor our fathers. For some of you guys out there, that's really, really easy. But for a lot of you guys out there, that is one of the hardest things you could challenge someone to do is to honor their father. Am I an honorable person? Am I easy to honor as a father? Also, am I showing my kids more so what not to do, what not to say when they get older? Or am I giving them examples of what they should do, what they should say? Am I pointing my kids beyond me? to the father? Am I able to allow them 
to to bounce their attention and their love and their sight and their feelings off of me and onto the heavenly father the one that will be there forever and ever right because if things go to plan dad you're going to die before they do right but the heavenly father's not going to die he's going to sustain like through throughout all of time he's he's constant it doesn't even make sense our brains can't even fully understand constant or, or, you know, the, the trueness of infinity, but that's who and what God is in, in his essence, right? So we have to, again, ask ourselves as fathers, are we pointing our kids to the Heavenly Father? Because to a degree, again, I just dealt with an email from a guy here recently. He's like, man, I'm just gonna be real honest. I'm a thermometer in my house. I'm not a thermostat. Like, I don't set the spiritual temperature of my household. I just kind of respond to what's happening. And I think he was expecting me to respond with, hey, here's 10 books you can read. And here's like, here's a how-to guide on how to be better. It's like, no, dude, just be, be the thermostat. Make the decision right now. Don't wait around for somebody to pray for your kids over dinner. You do it. Don't wait around for somebody to pray for your kids as you're tucking them in. Don't wait around to, for someone else to grab your wife's hands and, and to, to lead her spiritually. Don't, don't wait around for someone else to say, hey, let's do a family Bible study. Like, you do that. Is it going to seem fake? Is it going to seem a little vapid? Is it going to seem like, ah, you don't really know exactly how to do it? Well, yeah, you're going to do it poorly for a while, but you're doing it. So again, I could give a million other examples, but I think you get the point. Pause to evaluate yourself as a father. So again, honor your father, pause to evaluate yourself as a father, and then the last one here. Forgive your father. Forgive your father. As your heavenly father has forgiven you, if you put your trust in Jesus, forgive your father. Again, going out over my skis a little bit here for some of you guys, but some of you guys have such unbelievably pent up aggression and unforgiveness towards your fathers. And what you're not realizing is that's not hurting him. It's hurting you. It is destroying you. It is, it is rotting you away from the inside. And for some of you, your father's gone, gone. Like he's in the ground, he's worm food. Maybe you don't even know where his body lay, but you need to find a way to forgive him. Because it was not fair to you that he was gone. It was not fair to you that he was mentally absent. It was not fair to you that he was abusive. It was not fair to you that he didn't show you what it meant to be a good husband. It was not fair to you that he did things to you so that he could feel better. None of that was fair to you. We have a word for that. It's called sin. And as a Bible-believing Christian, you know that all of us sin, and we all fall short of the glory of God, but God is the only one that can absolve our sin debts from us. God is the only hope that we have for every sin being as if it never happened, for every tear to be as if it was never shed. 1 John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if you want to understand even a little bit in the most minuscule way possible what it means for your Heavenly Father to give you a pathway to himself through his Son Jesus, you need to forgive your Father. And guess what? The forgiveness isn't for them as much as it's for you. Because 
it's not always going to be a lifetime movie where you go to your dad and you set him down and you say, dad, I forgive you. And you both cry and you hug and you have the best relationship ever. Maybe that's your story. But a lot of us live more so in the real world. And so you may do that. And your dad may respond very, very negatively. He may fly off the handle. He may lose his mind. He may disagree vehemently with your viewpoint on how he raised you or the life that you led. But that's okay. You control the controllables. You control what you can control. And in that situation, you can control you. You can control you. Get yourself to the place, and I would urge you to, to do that with the help of your Heavenly Father, and say, help me to be able to forgive my Father. What is the negative here? Because if you can forgive your Father, you'll be able to understand what God did for you. And that is the message of the gospel. The gospel isn't about acting right. The gospel isn't about going to church on Sundays and sometimes on Wednesdays. The gospel isn't about, you know, making your way to Easter service. The gospel isn't about helping an old lady across the street. The gospel is the good news of the fact that you had no way to pay for your own sin, that you couldn't possibly be righteous enough on your own, but that God sacrificed his son at the behest of the Jewish Sanhedrin on a Roman cross where he was killed, put into a tomb, and raised three days later. And he was resurrected for you. That's the good news. So if you sit there and say, I can never be good enough, you're right. If you sit there and say, well, I'm just not enough, you're right. If you sit there and say, like, I wish somebody would just love me for me, you don't want that. I wish someone would just give me what I deserve. I promise you, you don't want that. Because we know from what God says in his scripture that the wages of sin is death. That is it. That is the only outcome for the sinner, unless they put their trust in Jesus. So, to all of you out there today that have not made that decision, I implore you to do so. Pour yourself out to God the Father. Put your trust in the reality of Jesus' resurrection as a propitiation for your sin debt. So guys, I appreciate you coming on this journey with me as I give an ode to my father. And uh, to wrap up to David Glenn Thompson, dad, I love you. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost at Undaunted Life. Our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So I've only got one link for you today. It's our donation link on our website. Guys, again, if you support the content that we do, make sure that you do that with your dollars. You support all kinds of things with your dollars. And also, I've got a link here so that you can go to the Origin website to pick up your stuff using my promo, promo code KYLE, that's K-Y-L-E, to get 10% off your order. Again, go to OriginMain.com or OriginUSA.com to pick up your gear. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the show. We do appreciate it. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And also, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album, Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.